Good morning. The Lord's blessings to each and every one of you. So thankful to be in your presence. Uh, today we're going to, I've kind of uh, mixed up the order of the Advent candles, which I'll light here shortly. Uh, typically we'd be lighting the pink candle, but I've taken a little liberty and I'm going to do the theme of peace today as opposed to joy because of how the readings kind of shook out. So we'll do joy next week. Uh, so we'll light the pink candle. I know it's out of order. Usually the pink candle is third Sunday. We'll do fourth Sunday. I hope it's okay. Um, but I really, I'm, I'm thankful about today and about today's lessons and about even today's sermon uh, because for some reason this time should be a time of peace and a very exciting but love it and it just ends up becoming not that because of the busyness of the season and everything going on uh, so hopefully we can talk about peace where true peace comes from uh, and i hope it is a blessing to all of you why don't we begin our time together with a word of prayer dear heavenly father we thank you so much for your blessings your blessings of word of sacrament of of preaching the law and the gospel your body and your blood and the waters of holy baptism and in so many other ways that you come to us, that you show us your love, you forgive our sins, and you put us at peace with you. We are thankful for this peace that the world cannot offer. And we especially ask that at this very busy time, but really in our world where it's always busy and anxious and, and nervous and crazy and frenetic, that you would help us to remember that true peace comes from your son, Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness that he offers. Lord, we ask that you would bless us with this forgiveness, and in so doing, bless us with your peace. Fill us and feed us this day with good things, that we might be your people in your world, sharing that peace of God with others, being salt and light in the world to the nations. We pray all this in Christ's name. His will be done in our lives daily. Amen. Our first lesson is taken from Zephaniah, uh, and you'll find an interesting picture of the Messiah in this prof prophetic reading, as well as a description of the peace that we find in that Savior. We'll talk more about that during our sermon time. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in. At the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We turn now to Psalm 85. We will speak this 
whole verse by whole verse responsively. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our epistle lesson is taken from Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Reading of the Holy Gospel. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, a reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see, a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. 
Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our verse for consideration today, or verses, I should say, uh, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I can't help but feel it's just a timely discussion today. We have been traversing the book of Philippians uh, for the last two weeks, and now we're looking at this very well-known verse. I'm sure you've heard it just a number of times because uh, oftentimes pastors will close their sermons with this verse, the peace which passes all understanding. It's very common in Lutheran circles, even to kind of maybe say it in jest uh, occasionally. I know at least at Winkles we goof around with this verse a little bit. Um, we are jumping the gun a little bit. Uh, our, our Advent themes typically are hope, love, joy is third. We would call that, this Sunday would typically be called Gaudete Sunday or Joy Sunday. And then peace is usually the fourth Sunday. So I have kind of switched up the order a bit, but I hope... Uh, as we consider this verse uh, from Philippians and also the idea of peace, that it'll, it'll make sense, especially during this Advent tide. You know, I, I think we ought to define the biblical idea of peace. You know, what, what are we talking about when we bring up the idea of peace, especially found in Zechariah, uh, found here in our Philippians verses? Um, is it maybe the peace that we have in our minds, maybe a Western or even American understanding of what peace is? Uh, the biblical idea of peace has to do with the problem of sin, okay? That might be, maybe you didn't realize that. God, God is holy. We are not. This is a problem in the Old Testament. We see it often with prophets who are confronted by God. They are afraid uh, that that seeing God, the holy God, will be the end of their life. So they understand this problem of holy versus unholy. And, and being unholy and God is holy, it almost puts them at enmity with one another. It puts them kind of almost antagonistic towards one another, right? Uh, they're almost at war, right? The believer, or in the Old Testament, the Israelite or Hebrew, however you want to split that hair, you know, the, the people that we're talking about in the Old Testament who are hearing the word of God, they have to worry about peace with God. If God is holy, we are not. We are, by nature, at, at odds with or opposed to God. So how can I have peace with God when I am the very thing that he desires to destroy, which is evil, sin, unrighteousness, right? Well, in our Zephaniah reading, we see uh, a little bit of that understanding. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. The very first thing that God does in a gospel sense for his people to rescue them is to take away the judgments, take away their sin. Yeah? Now, the judgments are not wrong. God has correctly judged his people sinful. God isn't to blame for our sins, uh, and neither are the people of Zephaniah's audience. They're, they're to blame for their sins. God takes it upon himself 
because he loves his creatures, to take away their sins. We, we are incapable of taking away our own sins. God has correctly made the judgment. Our only option, our only hope, is that God would take away our sins. So in Zephaniah, if you look a little closer, we see that there is this description of a mighty one who will come and be in the midst of his people. If that's not a description of the incarnation of our Savior Jesus, I don't know what is. The mighty one Jesus who we, we see in our uh, gospel lesson, right? The disciples of John come to Jesus. And what's kind of Jesus' answer? Well, look at this. I'm going to heal people. I'm going to take away plagues. I'm going to give people back their sight. I'm going to take away sins, you know, make people alive. He, all these miracles that Jesus does are only uh, miracles that are possible from God, from the Savior, from the mighty one, right? So Jesus makes it very clear. He is this mighty one whom God has sent to save his people, to take away, to take away the judgments upon them. St. Paul then, in our Philippians reading, he stands on the opposite side of the cross, right? Zephaniah is looking forward to Christ. Paul is looking backwards at Christ. Paul has met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He knows, as we do, that Jesus has come to be our Savior and also a sacrifice. Jesus is the mighty one that Zephaniah describes to us, but he saves by being lifted up. He shames the strong by becoming weak. He shows us all God's great love for us, both in that the Father would give up his only Son, but also that Jesus would suffer willingly for his people to take away the judgments against them, to take away their sins. Now, this then, getting back to our definition of a biblical idea of peace, this truth that God has taken away the judgments against us in Jesus Christ should bring us an unending supply of peace. This is what Paul says then. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does Paul mean? In this new reality of justification by God's grace alone, in the new era of the Son of God who forgives, takes away the judgments of his people, we ought to never be anxious about anything. Now here's where I was thinking about this lesson and about our world, about our experiences. I know because I know it myself. We live in a reality where we should have an unending supply of peace. But why is it that it's seemingly the rates of anxiety and lack of peace escalate every single day? Peace is in short supply. We live in a time of great anxiety, a lack of true peace. Fear resides in the minds of all people. We all, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, I've talked to many of you, and we all have our unique viewpoints and how we look at life. So every one of us kind of has anxieties that are unique to each one of us. You know, some people worry about, uh, well, what will happen if the world governments fall apart? I've, I've had these conversations. Or what will happen if the world governments become tyrannical? Or 
what if mom doesn't beat her cancer? You see, it goes from large scale to small scale, just how people view life and how they think. What if my company decides I am no longer an important employee? What if I can't make enough money to make our next house payment? What if my wife decides that she has had enough of me and my ways? And these are just a few of the questions, right? Every one of you probably has a, maybe, maybe an unvoiced anxiety. We could spend all day lifting them up, talking about them, the fears that you have in your minds, the things that keep your hearts racing at night. What are yours? What, what, what keeps you from this peace that Paul is telling us about? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I think that it is human nature and also the plans of the devil to make us focus all of our attention on the immediate concerns of the here and now. Christ lived a life that was filled with suffering. I don't think that we can, we can bypass suffering or difficulties in our life. That's not realistic, right? So we know going in that we're going to experience a certain level of suffering, but why is it that we gravitate towards it? We get so caught up in it. You know, we're like the little child who is perfectly fine. Uh, I'll give you a great example. My uh, foster son, Eli, he is usually pretty easy to deal with when Laura's not home. I know that makes no sense at all, right? But, but when, when Laura's not home, he's much he, he plays by himself. He does his own thing. He's, he's happy. He doesn't need to be held and carried around everywhere he goes. But the moment he sees Laura, he starts crying and carrying on and becoming very needy and very kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. And I don't know why that... It, it, I mean, of course, there's all kinds of things going on there, but it's just a crazy thing, right? You fall down... You're having a great day. You're running around as a child. You fall down and you skin your knee. And then you spend the rest of the day when it's beautiful outside, the sun is shining, and there's wonderful things happening, complaining and ever more irritated by the skinned knee. Right? The thing that's most immediate, that seems to capture our, in, our attention. We live, we will live, excuse me, eternity with Christ in the new heavens and a new earth. But for some reason, as a creation that lives in this moment, we can't live in the future, we can't live in the past, the moment becomes all-consuming. Today's sorrows and anxieties will be with us forever because in this moment, that is what it feels like. But if there was some way we could extricate ourselves from our timeline and stand above it and look at it, we would realize that this is only a moment. We have much more living to do. And I mean living beyond this life, living in eternity. Eternity is going to so outweigh this life that we can't even understand how much it will out. This is what Paul means by peace that surpasses all understanding. You don't understand what kind of peace you'll be given. But in the moment now, it's sometimes hard to look past our fears and anxieties to know what God has truly done for us. Living that will surpass everything that we have done up until this point. 
Christ has taken away our sins. He has made us righteous before God, and he has given us true peace. We know that the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh want to steal that peace and replace it with worries and anxiety. So what can we do? We know what we have waiting for us in eternity, but I think many of you ask the question, and rightly so, Pastor, what do we do now? I think Paul actually tells us in his verse, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Our standing before God is clear. We've been made righteous by Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit as we were washed with water and word. We stand before God no longer afraid, no longer concerned, not because what we have done, but because what has been done for us. And God does all things perfectly. So let us bring our anxieties to the Father of all grace through his Son and lay them at his feet. You know, I think sometimes the problem is is that we look for peace, we desire peace, and instead of looking to God, we look in here. And then we start imagining ways in which this peace will come, right? If I just get away from my work and anxieties and go on this vacation for a couple of days, then I'll finally have peace and that will be enough. But I'm looking towards a peace that I find in myself after a couple of days on vacation. Is that peace going to last? It won't. Instead, we have to turn outside of ourselves and look to a peace which God gives. And, and here's, here's the crazy part. And that's, this is, when I was writing this sermon, I was really hoping to like, I, I, I'm not a big fan of noise. I don't know if you know this about me, uh, but I have six kids who love to make noise all the time. Like all the time. Uh, in fact, we were sitting at the table last night and we have, uh, it, was the, it was just the dumbest mistake I think I've ever made. We made benches for our tables we have a big long table and then we made benches and the, and the base for the benches are made out of steel and they have a piece of steel that runs across and it's right where our kids can kick it, right? So they sit, these kids sit and they kick this piece of steel all throughout dinner. So all I hear is five different bong, 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 throughout, throughout dinner, every night, every night. This is what I live in. Constant noise. <clears throat> And I was hoping that maybe the peace of God would be actual peace. It's not. Uh, it isn't. Because God talks about heaven and revelation, and there's singing going on, and there's praising going on, and there's worship going on. So peace isn't necessarily this hope of finding some quiet time in here and like just you know finding the peace in me. So what is this peace? Lack of possessions, lack of money. Worries about sickness and disease, worries about relationship and life, let us lay it at the feet of our Father. Because number one, He's the only one who can actually do anything about it. But more importantly, He desires to do something about it. He wants you to bring it to Him and give it to Him and stop worrying about it as though you have any control over it. Give it to Him. Unburden your shoulders, unburden your bodies, unburden your hearts. Give it to someone who can do something about it. And be at peace that God is in control. 
and that he has the best interests at mind for your life. We know this because he sent his son to die for you. Our situation is clear. God so loved the world that he sent his only son into the world. In our Advent preparations, we can look back at what God did for his people. He sent his son to be born in a manger. In anticipation, though, we look forward to celebrating that day, but we look forward to the day when his son comes again to judge the quick and the dead. And on that day, he will judge sin and evil, even anxiety and fear, and he will forever set us free from them all. He will throw all evil into the lake of fire forever, and we will live in a new heavens and a new earth. We will never have anxiety or fear again. We will live, worship, play, probably make noise, celebrate in the midst of the Father and the Lamb of God forever in hope, forever in love, forever at peace with God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Good morning. The Lord's blessings to all of you. Most importantly, I hope that you leave today uh, knowing God's peace. You are forgiven in Christ. You have peace with God, and that translates to peace in your life. Um, and I love you all very much, and there's nothing you can do about it. Lord's blessings.